Hold on to your hats. The countdown to the biggest wellness event of the year is on. Join our side August 15 and 16 in Melbourne for not one but two days of Powerhouse Wellness featuring 11 of Australia's most inspiring, entertaining, educating, fermentating speakers. Damo, what is fermentating? MP, I'll tell you at the summit. Your favourite wellness couch speakers are joined by special guest Nat Kringoudis on all things hormones and female health. Join the Up For A Chat girls, the wellness guys, the natural nutritionist Steph Lowe, Kale Brock, Quirky Cookings, Joe Witt, Marcus Pierce, and the rest of your favourite wellness couch podcasters. Regular and VIP tickets are still available, but hurry before this summit is sold out. For tickets, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. The Wellness Summit is proudly brought to you by Well & You. Be someone that makes you happy. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch, and the wellness guys, he is the rock star. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, Marcus. How are you? Going very well. Wasn't Damo, a, that wasn't say. a very creative introduction. No, well, I've got to, I've got to spice it up. If I'm just no. creative all the time, people are going to expect a little bit too much of me. So It's been, it's been bring, 100 episodes. I think we do expect it. Yeah, I'm going to bring people down to earth and say I am a regular human being just like everyone else out there. And some <laughs> days I just do normal everyday intros. Wow, I can't believe it. But Shut what up. is not normal in everyday, Damien, yes. is the fact that we are, oh, my gosh, it's less than 12 months away. Twelve mm. Less than 12 months. We will be in Ikaria on our 2016 Greek Island Ikaria Longevity Retreat, 10 Days in Paradise with Damo and myself and an intimate group of longevity enthusiasts. If you'd like to learn more about it and join us, go to www.100notout.com. Can't wait. Now, Damien. Yep. I am very excited to let you know that there is someone else in the world that is actually similar to you and I. Really? There is someone out there that has on the bottom of their- As good looking as you? Uh, not as good looking as me, but definitely as good looking as you. No, sorry, I'm more good looking than me and more good looking than you. That's what I meant to say. Way That's better looking than part. us. That is a faux pas if ever you want to hear it. More good looking than you and I times about 50. Um, on the bottom of our next guest email signature reads, we are all elders in the making. Mm. And you don't hear that or read that on very many people's email signatures. No. I was very fortunate to be introduced to our next guest via one of our Wellness Couch teammates and fellow podcasters in Katie Wyatt, who hosts oh. the Wellness Entrepreneur, yeah. great podcast, highly yeah. recommend it. Oh, yeah. And I must say, Damo, I think our next guest in Sophie Weldon is a true 100 Not Out teammate. Sophie is a social entrepreneur. She's determined to help people remember the legacy of their parents and their grandparents to improve the stereotype of getting older and reminding people that we truly all are elders in the making. She is the recipient of the Maya Innovation Fellowship. She's currently working on a number of initiatives to help the world master the art of aging well. It is a very warm 100 Not Out welcome to you, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining us. Wow, that was tremendous. Except for the faux pas of me saying I was more good looking than you. <laughs> And, uh, Can you follow and me around and just butt. introduce me to everyone? That would be awesome. Let's, yeah, everyone, everyone asks him that, Sophie. Everyone wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sophie, I've got to ask you. You are 26. I'm 33. Damo's 41. Thank you. What 
really seriously took you down this path? Because Damo and I don't meet many people in our generation that love this as much as we do, and you're one of them. Yes, absolutely. It sounds cliche, but I honestly believe the path chose me. I didn't really choose it. Um, Ever since I've been young, I've been passionate about um, storytelling and helping others and I guess being more receptive to the world around me. Uh, I think that probably was spurred on by growing up in a single family, just with my mum and my brother, and we had to look after each other and just be conscious of others. And But there was a particular moment in my life, I think, that did change things significantly to push me down this track, um, which was when I was 14 and heard the story of a former refugee. Um, and that just opened my whole, I guess, whole mindset and paradigm into the world of um, issues around the world and sort of took me out of my, yeah, my um, little safe pocket of the world. What happened? What was the story? Mm, sure. Well, um, a dude um, who's now very dear to my heart, a very close friend of mine, uh, I was introduced to her when I was, as I said, when I was 14 and she'd only been in the country for three months after leaving Sudan. She'd spent eight years in a refugee camp and the story of how she got to that refugee camp um, was extremely intense and filled with survival and um, heartbreak as well as love. And as she was sort of sharing this, the, this story of how she survived on foot with thousands of refugees making her way to this camp, I literally burst into tears in front of her and, and couldn't even really fathom that when I was learning to ride a bike, she was fleeing for her life. So, yeah, little things along the story about, you know, how she even fell in love at a refugee camp, you know, sign of hope and um, a glimpse of light in a very dark space um, and then also losing some people she loved dearly. So it just made me realise the power of stories and being able to open your worldview, help you access empathy and even more than that, help you take action in support of things that you care about as a consequence of that story. Far out. So that's sort of, yeah, had a huge ripple in my life. That's amazing. It's amazing that at your age you have that degree of insight and uh, and you were open to taking that on. So it does sound like you were chosen for this particular path because that's quite a unique um, mindset and skill set, I reckon. That's that's incredible. Good stuff, Sophie. Hey, Sophie, it is a great message and it's a great story, what you're trying to achieve and what you're wanting to achieve and what you've set out to achieve. And obviously you've, you've been acknowledged for that with your, the recipient of the Maya Innovation Fellowship. But um, what are the biggest challenges you're finding at getting your message out there at the moment? Uh, that's an interesting question. I've found that um, whenever I share, so the issue that I'm, I'm passionate at the moment is not only storytelling, but um, our greatest storytellers in our nation, which are our elders. Um, as Marcus mentioned, that's a big passion of mine, that we're all elders in the making. Therefore, we need to make um, the lives of elders as um, connected and as, you know, fulfilling as possible. Um, so my challenge at the moment, I guess, is not in telling people that that's a really important issue because I think that people understand that that is quite important. When I've had great experiences of people sharing stories of um, how that issue affects them or people in their life, I think the biggest issue is really sort of collaboration across um for example, the ageing sector is very sort of old school and, you know, you've got nursing homes which are sort of big institutions that um, 
you know, work to fulfill a certain function. But then you've got, you know, people like me, young people who want to get involved and improve these environments where people are living. But it's sort of very hard to connect the worlds. You can create change in this pocket, but to actually enable it to be really systematic change um, requires a lot of collaboration, a lot of people willing to put down their their brand or their um, their sort of their need to control things and actually enable it to be a lot more um, uh, yeah contributive of all parties. So something interesting is you know some research I found is the public actually wants to see this collaborative movement towards a better world. People don't want to see one brand or one campaign behind an issue. Um, they want to see multiple people working together. So I know people that want that. It's just getting everyone on the same page. Well, that's social proof, isn't it? When there's more people doing something, even if they've all got slightly different takes on it, but they're all really working towards a common goal, then everyone else kind of almost like jumps on the bandwagon, don't they? They think, well, this is worthwhile and this is a good idea and um, and this is what we want to do. I think the big the big challenge, and, and you've mentioned it before we started recording, and we've spoken about it in parts, Demo, but we haven't really dedicated a lot of time to it. And I'd love to discuss it now because I know you feel very strongly about this. And this is the whole concept of ageism. Now, people think of isms, they think of racism and socialism, but do you want to give a definition of what ageism is? Because for a lot of people listening, it might be a very new term. And then let's have a little chat about it. So do you want to firstly begin by defining what ageism is? Yeah, sure. I'll give a tiny bit of context around as well. So, you know, sexism gave rise to the feminism movement. Racism gave rise to the multiculturalism movement. But ageism hasn't, I feel, we're on the tipping point of a new social movement. Um, It's discrimination based on your age, whether that's young or old, um, and uh, an affected quality of life because of that. So age stereotypes affect people in... um, affect people's mental health, which also has a consequence on their physical health. Um, so, for example, perceiving older people as not, a valuable, as, not as valuable citizens or, or being more irrelevant than potentially, you know, middle-aged or young people um, can often isolate them. Um, and social isolation is twice as bad as obesity in terms of its physical impacts on the individual. Twice as bad as obesity, which is on such everyone's radar at the moment, um, in the health industry, but we don't actually look at isolation as actually being this key health issue um, that is affected by a lot of stereotypes. So, yeah, it's both – it's quite complex because it is a very sort of, um, you know, segregation. A, a society that has segregation will give rise to these different stereotypes. So not only have you do you have to speak to the actual individual um, cases of where that takes place, age discrimination, but also look where is the segregation coming from? What are the mindsets that are stopping us from really um, seeing everyone as valuable and the life journey not as a degrading process, but actually as you guys talk about, which I love, which is, you know, longevity and seeing the whole thing is valuable um, and really taking advantage of that later part in life. I think it's really important, and you raise beautiful points there about the you know the the concept of evolution of revolution, which um which I really really love. 
Um, I often say to my grandfather that he's forgotten more than I've actually learned, and uh, and he's still around. He's ninety six now, I think he is. Yeah, turns he just turned ninety six, and um, so, so I'm batting for him to get to a hundred. Um, but he won't let me interview him, um, which is unfortunate. And but I'd love for him to be sharing his stories on something like what you've got, which you know it just it does sound incredible. What I'm finding interesting is that there's a reluctance at the moment for people to retire. And yep. so, um, but then there's a reluctance for people in the new generation, which is, I suppose you could call the new generation, the gen now, um, to want to work full-time jobs um, and then to want to work in a job that's there for a long time. So we've got this sort of trade-off. We've got these people that are wanting to come through and grow up and move into a job, but they don't want to work much or at all, um, and they'd prefer to be on social media uh, versus those who want to stay working, but they're being forced to, because of their age, to retire. Th- there's a massive big mental gap there um have you got any ideas around how um this can be bridged and whether or not there is a need for people to retire Mm, it's interesting because the cross-generational wisdom transfer that happens between generations um is so incredibly important for the retention of knowledge within a business or within a community So so you've got You've got old people leaving, you've got new energy coming in, but what's happening is that that crossover isn't really taking place. So, you know, you get a lot of, there's a lot of workplace discrimination. The Human Rights Commission in Australia is really passionate about addressing this key issue. It's one of their key um, um, mandates at the moment. Um, because you do, you know, have people being pushed out, older people forced to sort of retire early and then young people coming in, but there's not potentially different work values and ethics and, and wisdom and knowledge that, that isn't transferred because of that, that, that taking place. So, yeah, I think it's just about, you know, work, as I said about the collaboration in this, in all industries and sectors, it's about businesses valuing their elders. It's about, communities and councils valuing their elders and ensuring, as you said, the stories aren't lost. Um, My grandpa is the recipient of an Order of Australia. He published the first Australian dictionary, the Macquarie Dictionary. He set up World Life Saving. He is the most inspiring human I've ever met. Um, but there's not young people knocking on his door wanting to know his story. He'll walk down the street and won't have one person talk to him. They'll be on their phones. or And he talks to me about this feeling of, of irrelevance and not of being of value to society anymore, which absolutely boggles my mind because of what he's contributed so far. So, yeah, I think it, it really is about changing the changing the mindset on on what that means to just because you've finished work, it doesn't mean that you're not valuable um, and that that cross-generational transfer needs to take place in a number of different spaces and contexts. We just need to create those scenarios and um, invite people into them because I think there is a willingness. Old people want to share, young people need mentors. So, it's um, yeah, it's an important thing and, and something that people desire. I'm so glad we're having this discussion. We don't generally get into this depth on our 100 Not Out, so it's great to have someone like you sharing this, Sophie, because I think it's touching a nerve with everyone listening and it's certainly touching a nerve with Damo and I. And like you say, we need to collaborate more. So what I'm interested in is what what do you find you're working on specifically at the moment to to make your own contribution um, to this to this challenge? What, what are you working on? Do you want to tell people uh, what it is and how it works? 
Absolutely. So as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm very lucky to be the recipient of one of three Maya Innovation Fellowship grants. So the Maya Foundation are supporting me for nine months to bring to life this social enterprise, um, which seeks to reduce social isolation and, and help value our elders and collect their stories. So how am I actually doing that? Um, my enterprise is called Humankind Enterprises, and our first project is called StoryPod. So we've developed these mobile we. I say we because I've got this huge team behind me, but it's just me at the moment. <laughs> um, but the team is coming. Um, so I've developed these mobile video booths, um, which are basically spaces that, like a photo booth but for video, that enable people to go inside and use the touchscreen guidance technology that takes you through the process of viewing short video stories and then having the chance to record your own. So the story starters, which prompt people to share stories, um, are certain questions like what have been one of your biggest challenges or, you know, what's one of your happiest moments or what do you wish you'd told your 14-year-old self and, and things to sort of draw out the sort of meaning um, within their stories and, and to connect them to certain times in their life. Um, so this, this video booth system is going to be hired out to councils and community organisations and we can customise the questions that people are asked to make it really ve- relevant to that community. We're also developing an app and a software that enables anyone and any family in any nursing home or hospital or community, basically, to do this in their own way. Um, so rather than use a booth, you can use an iPad or an iPhone device to record a story. And again, it takes you through, through certain questions um, and records these stories for you. Um, and it's sort of using gamification to make it a bit interesting and, and fun, particularly to speak to the younger generation, to get them to incentivize them to use this technology. We're trying to, yeah, use some creative um, approaches. And where did all these stories go? Well, we're creating an online platform called the StoryPod um, library of of well it's called StoryPod the website but we're wanting to create the first intergenerational story library online so it's like a search engine but rather than searching for just articles you can type in any keyword whether it's hope or love or you know a community in Melbourne or Queensland um, and it will come up with the stories that are tagged with those words so yeah imagine being able to search for any story from elders and young people and people all over the country um, and having that in a place where people can learn from and access and share on their social networks. So, yeah, just a small vision, but um, <laughs> that's what I'm working on at the moment. It's, uh, that's unreal. I love that. Do you think that, um, I mean, obviously people at my age and maybe 50 and possibly 60 and 70 will probably get that technology. Is it up to people like me to take it to our older, older people so that they feel more comfortable with it? Is there a way in which, because I know my grandfather, he just doesn't want to be anywhere near, to, near technology. Um, and, but he does, and he's, he's shy about telling his story. Have you got any tips or pointers to help the listeners to this particular podcast and even to me about how we can encourage the older generation to share their story message. Absolutely. And you've touched on a key issue of the project, which is about the community connection aspect of the recording. So we don't want people to record in isolation because the key issue we're trying to address is social isolation. So the reason why it's good to enable um, it to be a two-way um, scenario so you would go in to actually help your father record is it's it's creating that connection. Grandfather, um, grandfather. 
and oh sorry grandfather, grandfather yeah. and well, my dad's not that old he's old but he's not that old <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> dad um, won't ever hear and me with young that, people <laughs> and students as well getting them to actually go into a space they've never been before like a nursing home and having a conversation with a stranger um but the importance in that relationship is to first just build rapport like I was visiting my grandma recently who is in a nursing home and really struggling and I found myself confronted with having to do this myself and record some stories of things that I really want to know from her and she's the closest person to me in my whole life so you would have thought that process you know might be easy for me just to come out with these questions but it actually took some time to actually warm up to it and just building that rapport um, on the in the moment and actually you know having that intention to go in and say you know I'm I would like to you know to ask you these questions because there this is important for my understanding um rather than rather than sort of make it all about the elder um because older people want to feel empowered as well and they don't want to feel like you're just trying to take you know remnants of their wisdom before they pass on it's about actually saying you know I want to learn with you together let's have a conversation um about these key issues where every person feels feels valued um so I asked my grandma you know, what What have been some of the key moments that have sort of changed the direction of your life and, and what do you find now uh, when looking back are some of your happiest moments? And she actually looked straight at me and she said, my happiest moment is right now, holding your hand right in this moment. And what was so interesting was my concept of time was always around as young people, we look forward and um, we have all these visions of the future. But something beautiful I find with elders is they're just able to connect to the present moment. She was looking at her granddaughter who was wanting to understand and connect her deepest, you know, her deepest level. Um, and she was feeling happiest in that moment. So, yeah, I think just trying to be present in the moment with them and um, really, really seek to create that valuing that valuing environment that empowers both people. Sophie, wise beyond your years. Uh, we could keep on going, but uh, we've run out of time. But, man, oh, man, that's been just beautiful to listen beautiful. to you talk with such mm. enthusiasm and inspiration and whatever and we calmness. can calmness. How's the calmness? No. I feel like I'm meditating. I feel like, I'm, I feel like I could be floating. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but so we would love to help support you in any way. So when everything's ready to go, if 100 Not Out or the Wellness Couch can support you in some way, please just uh, let us know. Uh, you and Damien are both Melbourneites, so uh, I'm sure Damien would be more than happy to do anything he can proximally to uh, cold help. Cold Happy to your- do a cold drip. That sounds good. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll get you into the coconut, dash of coconut milk. Dash of coconut milk. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Paleo. It makes it paleo. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Have a coffee conversation. So, uh, yeah, Sophie, all the best with what you're doing. Congratulations, on uh, again, on your vision and, and the work that you're doing towards it. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on 100 Not Out. Thank you for the opportunity. I love meeting people, talking to people with a shared vision and great to be able to – I don't think this is any new idea – um, my stuff, it's just connecting to what people want out there. So, yeah, if anyone wants to get involved, I would love to find space for, for them in this vision as well. 
Absolutely. Nice work. Thank you so much, Sophie. Damo, thank you for your wisdom as always on 100 Not Out. We'd love to hear your feedback, folks. You can provide in any number of ways. The best is to go to our website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.